0: I noticed in that 2nd uh, when we sang 472, Jesus is the best of all. Please raise your hand if you've heard that before. So, only us former Bentonians. Oh, <laughs> oh. Right, right. Like the words. I'm trying to learn the tune. There's... Uh, Something in the chorus here in four seventy-two that has a thought comes right out of what we're reading this evening. Who can tell me besides both Jeremy because he already knows? Yeah. Billy, you live on the same road as Jeremy. <laughs> I on Sunday. Okay. (laughs) But that's beside the point. Which which psalm are we going to do? Uh, 37. Excellent. Excellent. Psalm 37. How many verses do you suppose there are in Psalm 37? Oh, they're all going to go look. That's good. That's a good thing. 40. Yes. Yes. So let's give a look. And be on the lookout for something here. It sounds like something we just sang about in the chorus of that song i what now learning. There's also something else I want you to watch for. In the scripture it says that it's good to have an excellent name. There's an excellent name in this song. I'll read it, and then, if you haven't figured it out, I'll tell you what it is at the end. Pray not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. They shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good, so shall thou dwell in the land and verily Cease from anger and forsake wrath, fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evil lures shall be cut off, but those who wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plot against the just and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn out the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy and to slay such as be of upright conversation. Their sword shall enter into their own heart, and their bow shall be broken. A little the righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholdeth the righteous. The Lord knoweth the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed of the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs. They shall consume, into smoke shall they consume away. The wicked borroweth and payeth not again. But the righteous showeth mercy and give it. For such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth. And they that be cursed of him shall be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I have been young, and now old. Amen. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Depart from evil and do good, and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loveth judgment, and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land, and dwell therein forever. The mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom, and his tongue talketh of judgment. The law of his God is in his heart, none of his steps shall slide. The wicked watcheth the righteous and seeketh to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord and keep his way and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a green bay tree. Yet he passed away and lo, he was not. Yea, I saw him. But he could not be found. Mark the perfect man, and behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together, the end of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord, he is their strength in the time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them, because they trust in him. That's a mouthful, isn't it? I'll tell you what. I've said it before about some other songs, but I'd be tempted to do a whole series because there's a lot of great stuff here. Did you notice how many times? There's a word that's used a few times in this song. We don't hear a whole lot much anymore. It's a four-letter word. means to worry. Threat. That comes out a few times. Yes, I thought that was interesting. And uh, it also intrigued me. How many times did it talk about inheriting the earth? There's a lot about inheritance here. We saw that in verse 9. They that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Verse 11, the meek shall inherit the earth. Even if you hadn't read the Old Testament, you should recognize that. Verse 22, for such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth. And then verse 20, the righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. Lots of, lots of great themes here. It's a real smorgasbord, if you will. Did you find the fellow with an excellent name? You're not supposed to say it. You're not supposed to say it either. Okay, if your last name doesn't ring. Anybody else find it? Who's the one with the wonderful name? What is it? Yes, Mark the perfect man. Used to have a fellow in the prison. His name was Mark Taylor. He's one of the employees there. And uh, he said, I have such a hard time learning to memorize scripture, chaplain. And I said, Well, I think I got one that's pretty easy for you. Is it easier than Jesus wept? Well, oh, for you, it probably would be. What would it be? I said, Mark, a perfect man. Go to Psalm 37, 37. And that's the first four words. Mark, the perfect man. And uh, he liked that. In fact, sometimes I've been getting tours of the, I believe that people tour prisons. They wanna see what's going on. You know, somebody wants to be a volunteer, so I like show them around. This is the warden, he, what he says goes. This is the major, he runs daily operations. And when I get there, this is Mr. Taylor. Now, now Mr. Taylor is is a Bible student. In fact, I'll bet just off the top of his head, he can just he could just quote <coughs> a passage of scripture just like that. And he's not even a chaplain's assistant or anything like that. And they really what is it? He just marked the perfect man. That's exactly right. That was the first one. Four words there in Psalm 3737. Let's 37, see. Does he know all the Bible like that? Well, not all the Bible, but that's starting, anyway. His name is Mark Taylor. So. No, that word Mark there doesn't mean some guy named Mark. It means you find somebody that's got their act together. You find somebody who is, and by the way, y'all know what that word mark means perfect means complete. sir? Complete. Yes, means complete. Or you might say it means mature. Blameless. Blameless. Good, good. You find a man who is careful about what he says and what he does and where he goes and he's with somebody with discernment. Somebody with horseshit. Somebody says, what's the difference between a human and a horse? And a horse never bets on a human race, I'll do that. But to have good sense. You find the man who's got his act together. The end of that man is peace. He's going to live the right kind of life. He won't have a whole lot of regrets down the road because... As it says in James 1.19, he's swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Get him blow up, lose his cool, fly off the handle or any way you want to put it. He's got it together. But that's not what I want to focus on tonight. Although that and a lot of more stuff is in Psalm 37. You know what I'm talking about? There was something in the the uh, chorus, the refrain. I don't know what the medical uh, musical term would be. What in our song comes out in the song, in the chorus? At the very end, it says, "He is my delight each day and night." Sure enough. The child of God is marked five special ways. Now I'm going to play English teacher for just a minute. What is the part of speech that we use to show action? Doing something. That's all Sir? Learn. A verb. That's right. You look for the verbs because you can have a sentence without a preposition. You can have a sentence without a conjunction. You can have a sentence without an interjection. You can have a sentence without an adjective or an adverb or a noun or a pronoun. But you can't have a sentence without at least one verb. It's not a sentence. It's a collection of words, but it's not a you know, a phrase, but you can have a sentence. A complete thought cannot be expressed without at least one verb. I've had a lot of students write things and I say, you need a verb in this sentence. There are five verbs. I like five, don't you? Five verbs we're going to look at here. Whole range of of human emotions in Psalm 37 and uh, commenting on the first verse of this Mr. Spurgeon famously wrote, fear, uh, rather, faith cures fretting. You know, sometimes we get worried, we get anxious, we get just spooked about this, that, and the other. But faith, you know, four times of the Bi- four times of the Bible it says the just shall live. By faith? We're supposed to live by faith. It tells us also we walk by faith, not by sight. We talked a little bit of faith this morning, didn't we? Hebrews eleven one gives us a good working definition of faith. And it should sober the true believer. It's been pointed out that David, the author of this song, the human author anyway, he Wrote it as a good man in a good old age. In <coughs> fact, uh, did you notice in verse 25? <laughs> Marcia and I went to see the Heats not long ago. And Brother Heath was talking about so-and-so. And, and he said, that, now, so-and-so, he's, he's probably up there in years. I said, Would you say he was old? He said, oh, Probably of us old folks and I said you consider us old? He said yeah I'm old okay but David says this in verse 25 I have been young and now I'm old and I was a young preacher I'd read that and say well I'm still young I'm not old yet so one of these days maybe I'll have some whiskers and some gray hair and then I could read it and I could really kind of fit into the groove there I want you to know something else about verbs. Sometimes verbs merely state facts. But the verbs that should get our attention. Anyone who served in the military or anybody that has had a boss who barked out orders, they probably don't walk in the door and say, yellow! Or quickly! Not by themselves anyway, but they probably come in and they'll scream out what to do. They are commands. And sometimes we approach the scripture like it's a recommendation. God submits for your approval. No. God demands some things of us. We might not like them have somebody tell us what to do. But folks, it's not the preacher telling you what to do. It's what God is telling me to do. And there are five action verbs here that tell us what to do. And always in relation with the Lord. Let's look at these five. The first one comes out in verse three. Trust in the Lord and do good. Now you can find a lot of reasons to get spooked, to be shocked, to have that deer in the headlights look. You can find a lot of reasons to drag your feet or make excuses, but if you trust in the Lord, all those things... You know, some people, well, I'm a Christian, but, 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 but... They sound like a buttermilk. They ruin it! <coughs> Don't you love when somebody says, hey, let me tell you such and such. But they're trying to take away from it. There are no ifs, ands, or buts. Number one, it says trust in the Lord. And if you know anything about the Bible, you know this isn't the only place where God says that we are to trust in him. You might be able to say it from memory. Wouldn't be a bad thing. Even better to put it into practice. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with just a smidge. know, with all thine heart. <laughs> We're whole be wholehearted. Go, go, go into that thing. You know, when the young man proposes to the young ladies, you know, I like you a little bit. She probably wouldn't be too impressed. I love you with all my heart. I can't imagine life without you. Well, even more so, we should be that way about the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not of thine own understanding. I don't get it. Okay, you don't get it. That doesn't keep it from being so. Like one of my old mentors used to say, I still have not figured out yet how it is that a brown cow under a blue sky can eat green grass that gives white milk to make red-haired boy's cheek rosy. How does it work? I don't know, but it works. I'm so glad you don't have to understand all the complexities of the internal combustion engine to drive a car. Works anyway, doesn't it? So the first one is to trust in the Lord. Oh, and don't forget verse 6. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. We've looked already in Psalm 10 where it says in the fourth verse concerning the wicked, God is not in all his thoughts. That makes me think that God ought to be in all of our thoughts. What is God's take on this thing? What would the Lord say when you have a certain temptation, when you have a certain trouble, when you have a care, when there's a complexity, something's going on. What should I do? Well, what would Jesus do? It's not just a catchy little phrase. It should be a guide word. Because if you'll do what the scriptures tell us the Lord would do, the world might think you're off the your rocker. Even your best friends, they might come and critique you. That's okay, but there's a righteous man named Job who did the right thing. His own wife, his three buddies came and he must have done something big, bad wrong, Mr. Job. And uh, you get down to the end, the Lord said, These fellas, they don't, they don't understand it. And he said, I want Job to pray. I'll I'll listen. He won't even listen to the prayers of guys like this. So the first one is found there in verse number three, trust in the Lord. You know if you do, remember the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. If you have every confidence that he is your shepherd, you're not going to want, you're not going to lack. He's going to take care of you. He's got you covered. Any way you want to put that, as long as you understand that the Lord is in control. We talk about believing that God is in control, and we think that up here, and then the first time we get a snag, a challenge, a complication. Didn't you say God's in control? Did everybody see the picture of the snowbird? Everybody get to see them? you saw the snowbird, okay. You know, the Lord said, Consider the, the birds that they flutter over here and flutter over there, and, and they don't worry. But sometimes, we humans, how are we going to do this? What's going to happen? What if this happens? You know, we even make up stuff because we're word warts many times. So, trust in the Lord, and then the next one is found. In the very next verse, look at verse four. Delight thyself also in the Lord. That's what I was talking about in the second song that we sang that I'd never heard before. I might give her, showing me that. But in that chorus, to delight in the Lord. He is our joy and rejoicing. He's the one we're to delight in. I I mean no disrespect, but there are people who say, I can't wait to get to heaven to see Grandma. I can't wait to see the angels. I can't wait to see the heavenly city. Oh, I I want you to soak it all up. Wonderful as Grandma was. Attractive as the heavenly city may be. Glorious as may be the angels. Who's the greatest? Who's the one we wish to see? As Stephen was having the life beaten out of him, he looked up and he saw the Lord, who stood to receive him. I don't think he said, oh, "That's fine. I'll get around to seeing you, Jesus." But I want to see old Uncle Joe. I want to see that those streets of gold. I want to. See. No, we rejoice in the Lord. We delight in Him. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Some people they make up their mind what they want and they work for that, tooth and nail, and whether they get it or not, they find out the things of this world, they they don't ultimately satisfy. Even if you get in this world everything you want to get your hands on, you're going to die. You won't have anything anymore. But if you delight yourself in the Lord, Lord, I am happy with what you provide. I am happy with the way in which you would have me to go. In the uh, 27th Psalm, verse number 4, it tells us about beholding the beauty of the Lord. And he says, here's the one thing I want. I want to just be in the presence of the Lord. I want to rejoice knowing Him, honoring Him, and just soaking up His presence. appreciate all that my Savior has done for me. That's where we ought to be. And you know, that theme even came out a couple more times in this psalm. In verse 11, the meek shall inherit the earth and he shall delight and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. People talk about war. Before I was born, we had the great war. The war to end the old wars. The war to make the world safe for democracy. Some call it Mr. Wilson's war. But it was the world war. And we later had to call it World War I. That was at the beginning of the last century. And then, depending on who you read after, maybe it started in Manchuria, maybe it started in Poland, maybe it started somewhere else. World War II. Millions worldwide. The world changed its complexion, if you will. And there were some great acts of heroism, and there was some terrible... Destructions that took place and the world was not the same but we have lived in a time of war has there ever been a time in our history when there hasn't been war and right now there's rumors of war we turn on the radio we hear the Russians are masked on the Ukraine border only the Lord knows what's going to come out of this thing I mean I have my suspicions and you do too And we could be right, we could be wrong maybe it's kind of sort of what we think it's going to be but I guarantee you there won't be any bad guys masked on the edge of heaven you have to realize that our great God look at uh, verse 31 also the law of of his God is in his heart and of his steps your slide that's our delight it keeps our head together one of the things that we have listed in Ephesians chapter 6 it talks about the helmet of salvation God keeps our head together know that the Lord is in control and he is your savior delight in him so we had one in verse 3 we had one in verse 4 When's the next one come up? You don't have to go far. Verse number five. It says, given the fact that we're to trust in the Lord, given the fact we're to delight ourselves in the Lord, it says in verse five, commit thy way unto the Lord. You know, some people use the word committed like it's a bad thing. Now I have to admit, if you're seeing things that aren't there, and you're listening to the voices in your head and arguing with them, they might have you committed. That wouldn't be something you want, I don't think, but it's a good thing to be committed. In a marriage, it's good for the husband to be committed to his wife, not committing adultery. and good for the wife to be committed to her husband. It's good for an employee to be committed If you're a boss, you want somebody that's committed. They want to earn their keep. They want to make you look good in your business. They they want to promote things. They want to put down some roots. If you don't want a thing to happen, don't put anything into it, but don't blame anybody else when it fiddle-faddles out what? Well, anything, a job, a hobby, a garden, anything. You'll put some time, you'll put some elbow grease in. Why? Because you want to see it come to fruition. How much more so should we commit our way to the Lord? Lord, I'm in this thing for the long haul. Lord, I'm focused here. I'm already trusting in you. Verse 3. I'm delighting myself in you. That's verse 4. And on the basis that I am committed to you, I want to see your work in me. I want to shine as one of your stars. We were reminded not too long ago that the Lord said, Don't put your light under a bushel. You don't want your saltiness to be lost, lose its savor. Because, you know, the Romans, if they had salt, it would lose its saltiness. It wasn't good for much, but landfill, the people will walk all over you. You want an example of that? Look at Lot. He kept his mouth shut. He played Mr. Chicken. he just kind of keep a low profile, and I'm not going to stick my neck out or anything like that. And when he finally did, it was too little, too late. And those sodomites said, we're going to have our way with those fellas and we're coming back and getting you. Loyalty? No, there was no loyalty. But if you are committed to him. In the 16th of Proverbs, and verse 4 it says, commit thy works unto the Lord and thy thoughts shall be established. Now for some people, tomorrow's a holiday, (coughs) so maybe it won't be for you until Tuesday or some other time. But if you showed up on the job, whether you're the boss or an employee or your independent contractor or whatever, if you, you put your hand to it. And the wise man says, whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Be committed to that thing. But what if you said, before you start a job, and I have to tear down this engine, or I have to to plant this crop, or I have to bring in these cattle, or whatever the task might be. If you say, I'm going to do this, like some people I'd say, good enough for government work. No, how about if you said, I'm going to do this as unto the Lord. That's the right mindset. We ought to think that way. What would the Lord say if I were doing this for him? And guess what? You are. Paul told servants, honor your masters as unto the Lord. I don't want to do that. Mr. Jones is a doofus. Uh, he didn't know anything. Uh, what if the Lord, why well, do it if the Lord told you to? Well, treat Mr. Jones in this case like he's is the Lord. Why should I? The Bible tells you to. You think it'll pay off? I know it'll pay off because God tells you to do it. God's not fooling around. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. You're going to be on the right track there. And when it says commit there, literally it means roll it on to Him. If God tells you to do a thing, do it. <laughs> hey, God's got you covered. He has the wisdom. He has the resources. He has the personnel for the thing to come to pass. You don't know the future and I don't either. But God does. He knows what's going to happen. I've told you before when I was 14 my life's ambition was to be a busboy in a Mexican restaurant. Wow, that didn't work out. But you know what? The Lord has a perfect will. And the Lord provides in a wonderful way. And we need to be committed to Him. In 1 Peter 5 7, the same idea is given when it says, Casting all thy cares upon Him. Why should I? Well, besides the fact that He has all power and He has all knowledge and He has all resources, there's an even, <coughs> I might even say, better reason. The rest of that verse is, for he careth for you. You might have a boss that doesn't give a hoot about you. You might have somebody that figures you're expendable. The Lord values us as his people, like the apple of the eye. He has, it's interesting, God, who doesn't have a body, speaks of regarding us, and, our, and it says that he has our names written upon the palms of his hands. I think we're pretty important to the Lord, even when we die. Some of us know about some deaths recently. It's not a question of, well, that the breaks. No, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. We forget that sometimes, but God put it in his book for a reason. We're supposed to take him seriously. So in 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, Casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. So, I said there's five. Verse 3 gave us the first one, trust in the Lord. Verse 4 gives us the second one, delight thyself in the Lord. Verse 5 gives us the third one, commit thy way unto the Lord. How about the next one in verse 6, right, Ron? It's in verse 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. You know, if you don't commit to the Lord, if you're not delighting yourself in the Lord, if you're not trusting in the Lord, You're about to pop. You're confused. You're spinning around. All messed up. But it says to rest in the Lord. He that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. It says in Psalm 121. If you're tempted some night to be so worried, I'm just going to toss and turn. I won't get any sleep. Guess what? God's going to be up all night anyway. He's got you covered. Hope that means something to us. And literally, when it says rest of the Lord, it means be silent. It means don't talk back. (coughs) I don't know about you, but I've been in situations where maybe a boss or someone else, when they say something, you know it does no good to argue. They have spoken something like when uh, Pontius Pilate knew that he had to write what the charge was when Jesus was to be crucified and he didn't say this is a scoundrel this is a traitor this is a whatever no he wrote Jesus of Nazareth the king of the Jews and when he wrote that the Jewish leader. Say he said anywhere, what I have written, I have written. There's no argument here. We're not going to discuss this. That's the way we ought to be about the Lord. Rest in the Lord. Know that it's the Lord. And back in Joshua chapter 10, they got Yeah, the tenth of Joshua talks about a great battle came up. God told Joshua that. He was going to do something wondrous. And he certainly did. I would call this a miracle. It's certainly an unusual demonstration of supernatural power. Look at verse 12 if you're there. Joshua 10. They spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said, in the sight of Israel. He didn't whisper it. He didn't say, I'm thinking something and I sure hope it works. No where all the Hebrews could hear him, Joshua gets up and announces, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Ajalon." Now, they might have thought he was crazy. They might have thought he'd been out in the sun too long. But look at the next verse, and the sun stood still, and the moon stayed until the people avenge themselves upon their enemies. You think those folks remember that day? I'll bet till the day they died, anybody that still had their sense could say, I, I can remember when Joshua was out there and, and we had, it looked bad, He didn't go to that fight, and he announced, Son, stayed still, and it did. I could say that, but it won't happen. There was a king in one of those Scandinavian countries. His name was Canute. Listen, Canute has all power. He can just say a thing and it'll happen. And he says, no, fellas, don't talk like that. Mm. Why not? You're pretty powerful. I'm not that powerful. Let me show you. Take a chair. You Imagine taking that chair and they were by the beach. And he said, just put it there in the sand. And I'll go sit in that chair and you listen and see how effective I am. And so he sat in that chair and he said, Tide, stay where you are, don't come in. And I just kept on coming in. A few minutes later, it was obvious, uh, it wasn't effective at that time. Tide, stay where you are, don't come in. And it kept coming and kept coming. Finally, said, We better get Canute out of that chair. And we're going to lose that chair if we don't get it because the tide's coming. No matter what his intentions and what his words are, no matter how threatening he might be, Canute didn't have power to control the tides. We humans don't have the ability to control things. That's why it was such a marvel when they were out in a boat, these fishermen, the Sea of Galilee, and (laughs) they were scared, the wind and the waves, and, of course, there was Jesus biting his nails just like them. Right? No. Remember what Jesus was doing? He was asleep. That's pretty calm. I would say he was resting. They woke him up and they said, You too know what you care? We're about to drown out of here. First he got up. The wind was blowing, the waves were going, and he didn't say, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, wind settled down. Waves, chill out. Fellas, I sure hope that did something. No! When he said, be still, he barked like you would bark to a dog that won't shut up at three o'clock in the morning. I guarantee if you have a neighbor and their dog is yap, 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 yap yapping, uh, uh Fidel, little waffles. Would you please quiet down? I don't think that's going to be very effective. But when Jesus spoke, the wind stopped blowing, the waves stopped going. Water became smooth as glass. And then he turned to them and said, we don't hear faith. He didn't chew them out until after he settled down the situation. God's got it in hand. And sometimes we get all worked up about this, that, and the other. See, he has the power to do that. You don't. I don't. And so, the idea of resting in the Lord. We'll see this again when we get to Psalm 13 and 6 verse 10 be still and know that I am God gotta know that hey what did Moses say when they got to the Red Sea he said stand still and see the salvation of the Lord and they did was it because Moses was so eloquent No, because God had told them, this is what I'm going to do. You hold out that rod and you'll see the power that I have. An amazing, memorable experience. And what were they supposed to do? Stay still. Don't try to get involved in this thing except to take in the power and presence of our great God. So we saw verse 3, verse 4, verse 5, verse 7. Where's the last one? Nope. Exactly. We go all the way to number 34. Because having said those four things, and that's a mouthful right there, it reminds us that we need to keep in mind that the Lord does not think, do things on Steve Rain's schedule. Or Ken schedule. Or young Youngblood's schedule. Or anybody else's schedule. He has his own schedule. <coughs> Did you know that? God does things in his
1: time.
0: We think we're ready. When Moses was 40, he kills an Egyptian and he's thinking the next day. Well, the Lord is going to use me as a deliverer. You're right about the person, but you're wrong about the time, because Moses was not ready at age 40. He got out. He went to the backside of the desert and he led sheep. Not too glamorous, but he led sheep. For 40 years. He was mighty in Egypt. In word and in deed. Theoretically being groomed to be the future Pharaoh. What a heady thing. If anybody could have pulled it off. It would have been Moses. At 40. 40 years later. He seen the bird of the bush. He knows what it is. To have a family. He knows what it is. To be off by himself and counseled and guided by the Lord. And so when the Lord comes to him, he says, Moses, I know all about your people, and I'm gonna send you back, and now you're ready, and now you're gonna go and you're going to... and you know what Moses said I'm a man slow of speech. I'm not such a good talker, even though Stephen said in Acts chapter 7 he was a man mighty in words and deeds, and yet now he tells the Lord, Sometimes I, I don't do too well in public speaking. I, I can talk to these sheep, but talking to folks that's different. The Lord did say, Okay, you're off the hook, I forgot all about that. No, that's not the Lord speaking. He said, You've got a brother. Aaron he'll be the spokesman and that's going to work to your good because when you don't speak but when Aaron does and he says this is what the Lord says and Pharaoh says who is the Lord that I should obey him he sees Aaron trotting over see that's how the, one way the movie gets it wrong in the movie it's Moses doing all the talking and Aaron is just kind of off in the corner actually it was Moses in the corner And Aaron, doing the speaking, and Aaron would go over and oh, that over there, that shrouded, whatever. That must be the God. Well, how do you know that, preacher? Because the Lord told Moses before he set foot back in Egypt, I will make you a God unto Pharaoh. When he said, who's the Lord that I should obey him? He found out. He got out the hard way, didn't he? In his time, in his way, according to his purpose, sometimes we get anxious and say, well, I know what I want. I don't want it right now. That might be the Lord's will for you, but not quite yet. It's not that the Lord's got to get ready. We heard a guy praying once at a teacher's meeting. He said, Lord, save old Joe as soon as you can. What's that supposed to mean? Does God have to build up his strength or does he have a quota? or How does that work? No, the Lord is pleased to do his will in his time, in his way, according to his purpose. There are no accidents. There are no coincidences with him. Wait on the Lord. What? Because he has the final say. He's the one who's got it together. I talked about Psalm 27, verse number 4. When you look at verse 14, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. You ever been weak-hearted? You ever been challenged? You ever been to the point where you thought, no one cares. It's not going to work out. The Lord is there. He is that friend who sticks closer than a brother. He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Well, I can't see it. Well, there are a lot of things we can't see, but it's it's there. It's there. I'll close with a passage that, if you ever saw the movie *Chariots of Fire*, there was a young man who represented his country as a runner. But he would not run on such and such a race because that was Sunday. He said, that's the Lord's day. I'll, I'll be at the Lord's house. His name was Eric Liddell. Or Little. I'm not sure how he pronounced it. He went up going to China and lived there as a missionary until he fell into the powers of those who took over. But I want you to know, he made a commitment. And he lived it out. And that's why if you notice, if you watch the film, you see these guys running and I wonder how they won the race because they moving so slow. No, was slow motion. They're going on, running in the surf. All these young men with all this energy, all this potential. But what's Eric preaching? This verse Isaiah 40, verse 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. I've had an awful lot of people come, say, when is the Lord going to do this? I have no idea, but if he's going to do it, he'll do it in his way, in his time, according to his purpose, with just the right people, in just the right place. God's way is best. Wait on him. Now, what if I do? That's what it's talking about here. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with wings as eagles. You know, an eagle is a big bird. It's a majestic bird. Marsh and I saw, I guess it's a snowbird. little bird out there in the bush. A cute little thing. Not too imposing. But those who wait upon the Lord, they shall lift up their wings and mount with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You're not going to conk out serving the Lord doing what he would have you to do. When the Lord bears his mighty arm, when the Lord speaks, when the Lord's bringing everything together, we might say, gets all the ducks in the row. Not that it's a complication for him, but it's an amazement for us. When it happens, it will happen. There's no doubt about whether the Lord can, whether the Lord will pull off what he's placed. May we see him. May we have every confidence. And these five imperatives are given in Psalm 37. I sort of think that if you do those things conscientiously, you might qualify for being one of them. Perfect men. Perfect men. Let's stand for it yeah.